in the moonlit, right in the moonlit. What's up, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Honeycut Scenario. I think this is number 69. I took a week off. There's a lot going on. Um, and today I wanted to talk a little bit about Dart smacking into the moonlit yesterday. I think last night at like 7.22 or 7.30 or something like that. Uh, which I was totally not tracking the story at all until uh, Trisha was like, hey, there's a NASA and, and Johns Hopkins University are launching a satellite into a, an asteroid to see if they can knock it off course or at least hit the asteroid um, as an Earth protection mechanism, which is mind blowing on so many levels because it's like comic book level shit. Um. So let's put a pin in that and uh, in the rhythm of the tradition of the honeycut scenario with me, Craig, uh, I want to talk about the weather. Uh, we had a little bit of a blow last week that uh, after Vera's birthday and the equinox. So happy equinox, everybody. Uh, powerful energy is going on right now. The weather's been amazing, uh, but we had, a, I think it was Fiona came through somewhere in the Atlantic and put a bunch of wind and rain on us. And it was like 90 degrees. And then it was like... 70 degrees or 85 degrees and 65. It was like a 20 degree chop, 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 a drop, which is amazing to, to witness. And it's been incredible since then. So that's been pretty awesome. The band, everything had an amazing show in Hampton, Virginia at the Vanguard. So awesome. Uh, thank you to everybody who came out and shared the love. Uh, I needed it. It was, uh, an amazing thing to be with people, to be with the musicians on stage, and to learn to have faith in those around me. So thank you for being part of that. Um, the other thread to this thing is that uh, we are watching Ted Lasso again to get ready for the third season. And I think this is our fourth time going through season one. And I'm telling you, every time I watch it, it gets deeper. The levels of layering, the types of acting, and the types of comedy, uh, the poignant emotional moments are, are really incredible. So... If you're listening to this and you watch Ted Lasso, you'll know what I'm about to say. And as I was watching the video of Dart last night and everybody being so excited about losing a signal of a satellite, because the whole thing is, is like, if you send something up into outer space, if you lose signal and it goes dead, that's the worst thing that could happen. So... For them to be able to celebrate what is typically the worst thing that could happen by losing a signal, which means that satellite hit that little moonlit, and to celebrate is pretty amazing unto itself. But I just wonder if anybody in that room quietly said, or even out loud said, barbecue sauce before that thing hit the bullseye. So if you watch Ted Lasso, you'll know exactly why I said that. Um, I always have really amazing feelings whenever NASA has a big win that sparks the imagination because my father, George Honeycutt, worked for NASA his entire life. My dad was one of the very first people to join NASA when they started in, is it 1960, I do believe? Um, so he worked at Goddard Space Flight Center his entire career. Uh, when he retired from NASA, he worked for a, a company that worked at NASA, so he stayed at Goddard his whole life. He was a mechanical engineer for satellites, so he uh, managed projects and worked on instruments on satellites that went into outer space. 
the last two big projects that he worked on was a satellite called Terra and then a satellite called Aqua. And I watched uh, Aqua take off in 2002 or 2003. We went out to Vandenberg Air Force Base to watch the launch, and that was the last big project that he did before he retired. And both of those satellites deal with uh, watching the Earth, the environment of the Earth. Aqua really is about water data. And as we enter the age of Aquarius, as things heat up, as the Earth is transitioning, you know, with uh, amplification of human hands and water is, we're a water planet, we're water people. Uh, It's, you know, for my father to have been involved in, in something so cool is very, very meaningful to me. And when I see something like DART, where people are celebrating something that is so fantastical, it really just elevates my heart and my mind. Um, and what's interesting is, you know, you look at something like DART as an extension of layers and generations of work, and people like my father who, you know, came off the farm. And it's interesting because it's the story of America on so many levels where, you know, prior to World War II, like how many people were rural? You know, how many people like were, you know, in 1940, half of American households didn't have indoor plumbing. Um, and I learned that from my mom and her upbringing in East Tennessee, which is where both my mom and dad are from. So the stories of the small towns where people got out for big dreams and it just happened that the destiny of this country and the the, the increase in wealth across, you know, so many levels of people – it's like the rising tide lifts all boats. And, you know, for someone like my father who uh, was born during the Great Depression, uh, whose first like crib that he slept in was apparently a sock drawer in a giant wooden chest. Like that's how poor they were on a farm. And he was just a curious person. He was dreaming. And, I, and most people dream, but he was a dreamer. And it's interesting because he came out of East Tennessee without an East Tennessee accent. And I don't know how he did that. And it just so happened there was opportunity for someone like him. And he was curious and read a classified in the back of a paper. And I get my love of reading from my father. Um, he loved to read like anything, instructions, the newspaper, whatever. Like, And he somehow saw a classified ad in the back of some newspaper when he was in high school that said, hey, take an aptitude test for the U.S. Navy. So he took that test and got a letter saying, hey, you you know, you tested really well. The U.S. Navy wants to offer you a scholarship, and you can either choose to go to Georgia Tech or you can go to the University of New Mexico. And so he chose Georgia Tech, and they said, hey, that's full, so you can go to the University of New Mexico. So my father got on a train and went to New Mexico um, – which was the first time he had ever crossed the Mississippi going west. And he came he came up poor, so he had a scholarship. The Navy paid for his school. He went out to New Mexico. He fell in love with the Southwest. He got a degree in engineering, and he did four years in the Navy, uh, almost became a Navy pilot, which I had forgotten about because my dad wasn't really a huge communicator, unless you got him caught on a thread, and then he would totally just go down the road of goodness and intellect. Um But he decided he didn't want to stay in the Navy that long, and he was starting to date my mother, and he realized, like, I need to, like, have a career, and he had heard about this thing called NASA starting up. So he went to Langley down in Hampton because he was uh, stationed in Norfolk, and, like, I think he literally showed up with a resume and said, hey, I want a job, and they were like, hey, we're full, but call Goddard. They're looking for people. So he called Goddard. 
either mailed his resume in and they said, cool, let's interview. And he got a job at Goddard Space Flight Center. And then they moved to Washington, D.C., to Maryland. And that's where I was raised. Um, so I get a lot of my songwriting and creativity from his dreaming. Uh, he always was humming songs to himself, even though he wasn't a musician. So I learned how to write melodies from him. So when I see NASA celebrating something so amazing as running a tiny satellite across millions of miles of space to hit like a moonlit. So they didn't even hit the asteroid. They hit a little moonlit because they knew they could track the motion of the moonlit better because it was in relation to the bigger thing. It was moving slower rather than the big thing moving fast. Um, to hit a moonlit that's the size of a football stadium, like way the heck out in the middle of nowhere. And then to cheer as the, as the signal went dead. I mean, that's, you know, like, it's like your inner child is like, it's fun to destroy things. So if you've built something, you know, you can fundamentally blow up so far out and you're doing the right thing has to be the thrill of a lifetime. Um, so once again, right before that thing hit, barbecue sauce. So during this time of equinox, as we shift and we're letting go of just past stuff, and and this year has been a huge, huge, huge acceleration of change. Once again, to let go of past hurts and, and past traumas. And as you know, if you've listened to this podcast, you'll know that I've, you know, I'm in nine and a half years sober, September 15th, um, addiction is the an inability to let go of the past. And so letting go of that and, and being your best self. And I hope wherever you are, you're being good to yourself, that you're looking up at the night sky and you're dreaming and you're honoring your higher self and your better self and that you can see that in other people. That's been a long time struggle for me is to see the greatness in others, and therefore the greatness in myself. And I have no idea what that really means quite yet, but it's uh, humbling to think about. So honor the greatness in yourself. Aim upward. Barbecue sauce.